Welcome to the Humanity Matters broadcast. I'm Dr. Philip Fletcher, your host, where we discuss and reflect on theology, philosophy, nonprofit leadership, and social justice. This is the podcast where we wrestle with the important question, what does it mean to be human? So I uh, have been at uh, this work here in Conway, Arkansas since 2007. Uh, myself and my wife and three kids, we moved here. I was in the military. I served in the United States Army. I was a combat arms officer. And when we had finished our tour in Iraq in uh, 05, and then I had a year of just resettlement and was preparing to go to what was called a command course. Uh, and so we moved here, uh, and different turn happened. There's a trailer park on Robin Street uh, called Oakwood Village, and I was coming home from Little Rock, and Lord impressed upon my heart to make a right on Robins, and from there uh, it all started. So uh, myself and my family, we would go out there on Sundays with a small sound system and some folding chairs, and we would simply just do some gospel ministry every Sunday. Nobody would come. Nobody would come. Did that for about uh, five months, and then I bought a sleeping bag in a tent and spent the whole weekend out there and uh, carried around a clean supply bucket and just knocked on people's doors, introduced myself, said, hey, can I do this or this? in your home, just simply started to build some relationships, and then from there, people started coming out, college kids came out from UCA and Hendricks and CBC, and became known as the Church Under the Tree, Trailer Park Church, the Colts, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but every Sunday, um, that's what we do, and we had meals, and uh, music and prayer and uh, began to pay attention to some of the quality of the trailers out there as well and did some small service projects. Uh, one big service project was with the family of Emilio and Nancy Marcial who uh, were an older couple who had lost their child, uh, grandchild uh, due to the quality of the house and so um, on a Saturday in October uh, we spent all day moving out of their house, got them into a new apartment, uh, helped them for that next year meet their uh, court requirements in order to get their child, grandchild back. Um, and that really got me to start paying attention really to the quality of living uh, of people, <clears throat> especially who live in poverty. Fast forward, um, the Conway Ministry Center, let me back up real quick. Uh, we had a trailer, and then someone uh, gave us a building, and the trailer that we were using, uh, one of my staff members was like, hey, we need to do some of this trailer, there's like homeless people around. So I was like, fine, let's use the trailer for that. Because I don't like just having an empty building. I think we need to use it for something. Uh, so we would begin putting guys in there, we had families in there that were homeless, we had women in there that was homeless, and then we had more guys coming in. Uh, they were homeless more so because of 
a lot of men that experienced uh, incarceration uh, or had a charge of domestic abuse or anything like that, they couldn't go to Bethlehem House. Um, obviously, they couldn't go to the women's shelter. And there was no place for them. So we started receiving these men. And we was like, okay, well, this is who we're going to focus on. Uh, this is a gap that needs to be addressed. And so from that period forward, uh, we started our Hope Home, if you will. And sometimes we have seven, eight guys up in there. It was way beyond code and ordinance, but I didn't care. <laughs> um, I'm a firm believer in asking for forgiveness and permission, <laughs> especially when it comes to compassion. I don't believe there should be a law for restricting that at any point. So um, then in uh, 2015, a family had been watching what we were doing, and they gave us a house. All right, and that was a Hope Homes, a three-bedroom, two-bath house, and then we gave a trailer away for a dollar uh, to one of the long-term residents in our Hope Homes. His name was Fred Ashley. Uh, he works at uh, Big Lots and all of that good stuff, so that became his, and we use the house now. Uh, but the homeless situation uh, was still an issue that needed to be addressed here in the city of Conway and Faulkner County. Um, and so we do a homeless count every year with Bethlehem House and Kafka Women's Shelter. And it's a countywide effort that happens all across the state. Um, and we were seeing the numbers of homeless persons begin to rise. And so uh, one of the solutions that came up was the Conway Ministry Center sought to open up a crisis shelter downtown uh, where the old Second Baptist used to be behind the CBS. Um, and that got shot down. Well, they didn't get taken up by the city, excuse me. Um, <laughs> and then uh, a year and a half later, uh, Soul Food Cafe sought to open up one as well, but they met resistance uh, uh, due to uh, property owners and um, fears. Uh, and then in that same year, uh, in Oakwood, there was a fire. So uh, when I went out in 2007, I met an uh, older man named Gary Harrison. Gary Harrison had spent the majority of his life incarcerated. Um, and when I met him, uh, he was an alcoholic. Uh, and when we would go out there and we would be ministering and all that, he would yell all types of uh, expletives and racial derogatory terms and I said hey why don't you just come on over that's <laughs> 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 all right, all right. Um, everybody as well um, and he would come he would come inebriated he would come with just some jeans on and nothing else uh, and he would sit and then when he would come he would say hey do you know Amazing Grace and I play on my guitar Amazing Grace right he would go back and we developed a very back and forth relationship over the years uh, to the point to we became uh, very good friends and I would go and sit with him in his trailer uh, when he would pass out I would pick him up and put him in his bed uh, when he needed when he said he wanted to go to recovery I would pick him up take him down there one through two o'clock in the morning he would be there for an hour he was like I'm gonna leave and then we would leave and we would come back we went back and forth in this. And then in January uh, 2017, 
uh, him and his roommate died in the fire in the trailer. Oh, no. Um, oh, you're fine. Uh, so I uh, lost a very dear friend. Uh, had to uh, do many funerals for people in Oakwood, um, either through health reasons or in his situation, a fire or lucky. He was defending a lady and he got beat over the head with a two by four. Um, but they're all beautiful and precious people. Things that, that are probably not talked about uh, here in. Conway. So, fast forward, uh, Minister Center couldn't get their shelter open, uh, Soul Food could not get their shelter open, and so I was looking at the lay of the land after you know, meeting with those different groups, you know, advocating for them on their behalf, uh, I realized something different had to be done, because obviously, the city, alright, is for whatever, well, for numerous reasons, is not prepared for a shelter <coughs> yeah. beyond what is comfortable. And what I mean is comfortable is Bethlehem House is comfortable. Okay, Haven House is comfortable. Uh, the women's shelter is comfortable. Okay, uh, anything that's going to really address the housing needs of the men and women that you see out uh, panhandling right now or that are finding shelter underneath the library or who are in a new, other numerous places, all right, um, for whatever reason, well, for the reasons of property values and downtown is going to look like diminished because we have more homeless people around and people is going to be walking around all the time, back and forth, back and forth, all right, still the problem is there. So what is the solution? But with every solution, there's a trade-off. Okay. And as it stands right now, in regards to a shelter, the city, when I say the city, I don't mean the government, I mean the city, all right, is not willing to make those trade-offs uh, to address homelessness in the form of a shelter. Okay, so as I was looking around, I saw uh, in some other areas of the nation, homes being developed, tiny homes being developed. And I looked at kind of the, the our culture in Conway kind of tries to present itself as being progressive and forward-looking. We got roundabouts and, <laughs> you know, there's, and if you, if you look at the culture of Conway, you know, it's got roundabouts, you know, you got the pride parade and you got this and you got that. So on one end, we're progressive. On another end, we're conservative. It just depends. All right, so I'm an outsider. I'm not from the South. Okay, I grew up in California. Completely different culture and everything. Okay, Been around the world, seen all types of different things. So I'm a very big student of geography and people and how they behave and trying to figure out how to navigate those waters. So I said, okay, if we want to be progressive and innovative, and Conway likes to build houses, <laughs> and Conway likes to build things, I can go to Hendrix, I can go to UCA, I can go to the roundabouts. They like to build things and cool things, right? So why not tiny homes? Because those are cool, progressive-looking things, okay? So I went to uh, Rick Soles, architect here in town, and me and one of my staff members presented the idea of having uh, small homes. 
uh, here that would address homelessness. That would be the target, homelessness. We're not going to put men and women and children in, in a 20th century model, because that's what it is. What would it look like for them to have their own place? Why? Okay. So the very beginning, God made all this. All right, from a Jewish perspective, this is a house. <laughs> the universe, heavens and the earth, is a house. He paints it with a sky, blue, lays it with a floor, land, gives us a pool, ocean, seas. <laughs> then he paints it, stars and clouds and sunrises and trees, so on and so forth. And then he puts people in the middle of it to what? Live take care of it, to be good stewards of it. Isn't that what you do in your own house? You live in it, you take care of it, you have fellowship, relationship, cultivate life, families, love. It's a house. So somewhere in there, in that Genesis narrative, there is this understanding that men and women should live in a house. <laughs> So this is, that's my why. And it's addressed to who? Homeless men and women and children here in Conway. And so what it is, is uh, 10 tiny homes. I think I lost it. I'll wait for it to be back. We have a picture. Yes. We have ten tiny homes. Six will be So six will be for uh, homeless uh, individuals and families. Two will be for veterans, because uh, I'm a veteran and no veteran should be homeless. That's a whole different topic. Um, and then two will be for individuals and families who are just low income or middle income. Why? To adjust three things. The three things that we've talked about. One is the lack of homeless, a lack of housing for homeless individuals and families. Two, that housing would be affordable and quality. This is address what happened with Gary and the men and women that I now work with whose housing is just poor, but they have to pay a lot of money for it. And then finally, the third thing is to establish relationships. When you bring together a diverse group of people from different backgrounds, economic, social backgrounds, what you're doing in essence is when you bring those persons nearer together, you're beginning to address a lot of the hey, those people are like that mm -hmm. until you get to know them because you live next to them. And you develop relationships with them and you eat with them. This is all that we've been doing at the City of Hope for the last 12 years. We're seeking to do this in this housing model with Hope Village. And so it's going to be five one-bedroom, five two-bedrooms, uh, approximately 490 square feet and 640 square feet. Um, and what we... I started doing is in 2018, went before the city, 
and had to get a PUD uh, and got all of that approved uh, by the city, passed through the planning commission, no problem, passed through the city council, no problem. Why? Because people like to build houses. <laughs> <laughs> and I think they were tired of seeing it. So that got passed, and then we raised $30,000 uh, to purchase the land. Where is this going to be located at? So it's going to be located on uh, Robin Street. Uh, so, just to orient yourself, this is Robbins, this is Hark Rider, it's running this direction. Uh, here is the trailer park, Oakwood Trailer Park. Um, so, coming down Robbins, uh, on the other side of the street is Independent Living Services. You've been there, okay? Uh, so, our main office and education center is here. Uh, our existing Hope Home that I told you about is right here that houses the six guys. And then the tiny homes is going to be integrated into our existing property, a five one bedroom, five uh, two bedrooms. Uh, the approximate cost of the homes is uh, $20,000. We're just shooting for 30, uh, just for the, you know, that kind of stuff that happens. Um, and then we're writing for grants for the infrastructure, for the plumbing and all that good stuff that has to be done so that there's water and electricity for each one of the houses. Um, Did you buy the trailer park? Oh, God, no. No, I didn't buy, no, no. I've been asked that. Uh, I thought that yeah. was a great idea. It was that bad, huh? Oh. Uh, are you, not Oakwood, no. Um, so we've done work, we do work here, we did work in Brookside. Okay. Um, the trailer park had closed down, we was there for seven years. Um, and that's why I'm like, oh God, no. Oh. Everything that's involved with the trailer park is, yeah. Um, and then we have another community, South Ash, near UCA. Um, but what we intend to do is, we're taking the model that we're using at our home for our men. And so the men, they're able to stay there from 12 to about 18 months. And they're required after 30 days of uh, getting settled into the house, because it takes a minute to come off the street. I'm like, oh, I got rules again. I got you know things I got to do and live with other people, right? Um, so after that 30 days, they're required to find work, um, either on their own, or we have a program called 10 Jobs, where we uh, put them to work in different type of odd job things. Uh, second is that to participate in our case management, and so they sit down with my director, assistant director, once a month, and they go through case management, work through their individual goals, um, short-term and long-term goals, and obviously those are different per guy. Uh, financial management, so uh, borrowing from, uh, from other programs that we've seen, the guys are required to save 50%. Uh, 10% goes back to the house, um, and then the other 40% they can use for their own personal supplies. Someone got fines they got to pay, or getting their driver's license back, and things like that. Uh, and then community participation. Uh, so the guys at the house, they, they participate in volunteering in the community, in a lot of our different programs. They put on a drug awareness cookout every year uh, that they put on, and they organize the whole thing. Uh, and then they put on a community lunch 
as well. And they just invite the community out and they provide meals uh, for people out, out of the house. We got this guy who's a cook named Richard. I mean, he can cook like nobody's business. Um, so we're taking that and we're just going to expand it to Hope Village. And so those persons that will be staying uh, at Hope Village, uh, we're going to help them find work. Okay, and then a percentage will be going back into Hope Village. Uh, if they're veterans or the lower person of lower middle income, uh, they'll be paying a rent uh, comparable to what a tiny home is. One of the difficulties right now is trying to find out what that is because it's not existing here. Yeah, you know, and it's kind of an anom- uh, It's kind of hard because you got a college town and all the rents are like this direction. You know, because. The parents are paying for it. Well, yes. Yes. So, um, try to find a, a comparable and reasonable uh, amount that persons will pay because one of the things we learned is when persons have a stake in the game, the quality is so much better. And we want this long term so that other people that are coming behind will be able to benefit. Our goal is to see people progress up um, over time within their capabilities. Uh, so, we're in the midst of this fundraising campaign where our goal is to raise money for two houses. Um, I met with Peggy, uh, the pastor here, and uh, with some other uh, great pastors here in the city with uh, Reverend JJ at Hendricks a couple of weeks ago. We had a great uh, discussion, uh, possibly about uh, Advent Lent offering type thing. Uh, that doesn't stop you from donating today. <laughs> uh, Where are you on your product? Are you just kicking this off? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, the uh, raising the money for the land was the yeah, you know, right. you take a breath so I don't keep punching people in the face. Uh, like, you know, you gotta come back around again. It's uh, not fun, is it? No, no, it's not. It is. Actually, you know, oh, yeah. you know, when I started this, I don't like asking for money like, at all. Like, very beginning. But one of my mentors, he was like, Philip, you want to get over that. <laughs> you know? And so, over time, I've gotten away from that because I focus more on the why. Right. You know, and then I'd be like, hey, we need this money. Now let's go back to the why. Mm-hmm. You know, because the why's will carry you through, carry through uh, the, the, the massive amount of no's I get yeah. and the yeses. You know, so. Um, where, where, yes. is, is there, I'll take questions. Yes. There's grant money. Is yes. there grant money? Yes, there is. In what form? Is it federal, state? Uh, um, there's money at all levels. I'm trying to keep it at the state level okay. uh, because I want people uh, to see where their money is going. Yeah. Um, it's just a philosophical approach of mine. Um, I think if I come in and say, Mr. Adams, you know, you give me X amount of dollars. And at some point, you can come see it. You know, yeah. somebody in Washington, you know, they're not going to see Impersonal, it. Yeah. yeah, and I want it as as city-driven as possible. Like, this is our thing. We took, you know, hold of this. We saw what the problem was of now in 2019, 941 persons are homeless. Mm. In County? Yes, ma'am. I just read that the other day. That's astounding. Yes, ma'am. How many of you? 941. 941. Yes. That's the top figure? That's the most accurate we can get. Yeah. 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 
Well, we count everybody that's in our facilities. Um, uh, the schools work with us. Uh, CAPCA puts on a Homeless Connect as well, which brings out a lot of people. We collect all the data and the information. Uh, the data is collected in such a way there's no redundancy. Or if there is some redundancy that you're able to separate it out. And this is the most accurate number that we've got. Yeah, because you know people, you know, for whatever reason, they don't want to give their information. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I yes, just want to. So we did. Peggy and I had a chance to meet uh, Philip, and uh, we were with our Methodist counterparts across the city. So we meet once a month, and we sort of hit on this idea of wouldn't it be cool if the churches sort of, you know, we got together and we sponsored one of these or more of these homes. So the program that we're working on is. Advent lamp related, where we can, you know, what you give up, we turn, what we give up, we turn into uh, support for, uh, for this project. We love that it's here. Uh, I think you have a tremendous vision, and that you just got, you know, uh, because so often we're like, what can we do? Mm -hmm. And you're providing a lot of opportunities for that. So that's not to say that if you're not feeling called today, do something that it is something we would like to come back to you with and, and build some momentum around. So, and, yeah, you're working on the project, right? <laughs> yeah, I met with JJ yesterday, I guess. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah I'm Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Mike, I actually do have a question. Yeah. So, do you see the this Tiny Homes project as sort of a, a, a uh, is this its own standalone thing, or are you wanting to expand it or even put different communities around Conway? I, I see the uh, this potential of it to be scalable across Arkansas. So I suspend um, some of the other work we do with UCA is we do uh, nonprofit startup in the more in the Delta of uh, Arkansas, and um, the the quality of housing in some of these areas, uh, the lack of housing in some of these areas. I think that uh, with taking this kind of approach and an approach in which uh, multiple groups get around it to get it off the ground, it's a one organization can't do it. You know, I think it really requires multiple entities, you know, nonprofit, faith, city, um, different types of organizations to come around and say, hey, let us get together and build this for the citizens of our city. Uh, and in, in doing so, that's something that can be scalable across Arkansas. Okay. Yes, sir. How many homeless are in Conway? Yeah. That, so it, yeah, it fluctuates, and, and one of the things is the services. The majority of the services are here in the city. So if you have persons in Greenbrier or uh, Mayflower or Bologna, if they can find a way here. They're coming here to access those services. Um, so that really skews the numbers. You know, one of the things um, I would like to see uh, is for those persons who are homeless or become homeless, you know, if they become homeless in Greenbrier, that there are services available for them where they can be immediately served right there. Because now you gotta figure out how I'm gonna get to get the information com completed that I need to complete in order to get a need met. But even in Conway, you need, if you've got a job, you need to get there. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
transportation, transportation. individuals. Individual. If you included uh, uh, people who are housing insecure, those are who are currently in housing, but it may be low quality or they may be at risk of losing it. Does that how does that number go up? And if so, by how much? Well, so if I so with Brookside, um, you know, those 135 houses, uh, families uh, who had to find new living situations. Okay, uh, with Oakwood, where we're at, also there's about 220 trailers that are out there. Uh, if I set aside 10 of them uh, that are owned out there by a family, the Mitchell family, uh, the quality of their trailers are like top notch. I would rent from them in a heartbeat. The, the remaining trailers that are out there, um, if, if code enforcement were to like press the issue, then you're gonna create a situation that was larger than uh, Brookside. Uh, and, because, and so the problem is, there's what they can afford is not existing here in Conway. So even if even if we say you know for the, we gotta get them out of there, right? And I tell my social justice advocates, I'm like, that's awesome. Where are they gonna go? Because <laughs> <laughs> you created a different. Now you created another problem. So there's nowhere affordable for them to go. There's no emergency housing for them to go unless we're gonna fill up in the McGee Center and Don Owens with all of them, right? And you know, and you're gonna have a different pushback. So what has to happen is again, we have to come up with solutions where we create affordable housing, quality housing for those persons, move them there, and then begin shutting down the 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 housing that is not quality. And that is the most humane um, and even more economical way to approach because it's just not compassionate to say, hey, we just want, you know, you feel good, we got to get them out of here, but if you have no place yeah. for them to go, yeah. you've done something worse. I thought the conversation at the city council last Tuesday, I just happened to be watching, yes, sir. was really humane because there, you know, the, the issue is not so much to be right. But to solve an issue, I yes, thought sir. the city showed empathy in terms yes. of delay. I thought you were eloquent, and the, and the woman that was there that's living in this thing mm. had no choices, right? None, right? That's right, right. So, it uh, part of it comes education, um, and, and what their the little rights that persons like that do have here in Arkansas, what they can do and what's available to them. Like she kind of ran ahead and she was like, I'm gonna get code enforcement involved, right? Yeah. And then when she came and talked to me, yeah. and I was like, oh man, you know? Cause she said, I'm just gonna invite him in, he can see everything. And that's what yeah. she told me, right? And I understood where she was coming yeah. from. Yeah. She didn't understand the unintended consequences of what, of what was about to happen. Put her um, yeah, in the situation we're in now. So I'm hopeful tomorrow night, uh, or Tuesday night, uh, you know, the owner will show up and yeah. make her case and offer a solution uh, to the situation because she keeps paying her rent. Mm -hmm. and her rent is $300. If she moves there, can y'all know a place to rent for $300? Mm -hmm. For her, her sister, and her granddaughter. Small place if it's $300.
you know, the, you know, like community. I mean, the, the community with United Way and mm -hmm. Community Foundation, there are there are um, compassionate members of this community mm -hmm. that have some level of some level of discretionary resources. Yes, so sir. I think that you know, when you take the community's issues, you have you have you have these categorical issues that compete with each other, but yes, all sir. of them have a factor in the course yes, of their lives. So yes, Bethlehem House, Women's Shelter, Haven House were all built by local groups. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. so, yes, sir. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of what you're doing. Yes, yes sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. Um, I've always had this question about the homeless that panhandle around Walmart and on the, on the intersections. Yes, ma'am. Um, um, are aren't they a lot of transients that just come off the freeway? And, Yes, it's a mix. So, I, um, time to time, I park my car, I buy some sweet tea, and I go out and meet with the persons, right? I mean, I always wonder, what should I do? Yeah, so I'm a, uh, and part of that is getting to understand who it is that's actually out there, okay? And yes, some of them are, are transients. Um, they got enough money to get them here. But this is not their stopping place. They're trying to get somewhere, somewhere else, right? Um, there are some who who take advantage of it. Yes. Okay. So this is the reality. This is the reality of you got to tell the whole situation. You got those who are actually trying to get somewhere. You've got those um, who actually live here. Uh, they're trying to get some money to stay in a hotel. It's not economically best. But you know that that's what they're trying to get a night, another night in a hotel, mm -hmm. right? So they're literally going day to day, mm -hmm. all right. Uh, then you've got those who who made it into a career, um, and that is what it is. So I try to set those who made it to a career aside because mm -hmm. you don't want the few to inhibit yeah. or be an obstacle to compassion that you should show to somebody. Okay, so in responding to somebody out there at the freeway exit or on the corners or things like that, um, you know, you gotta be led, okay? Don't judge anybody that says I can't, for whatever reason they don't give or they don't feel safe or anything like that, okay? Uh, but when you're led, I would ask you to do this. Ask them what their name is. Yeah. Yeah. Before you do anything else. Like, people want to be known. So ask them what their name and how long they've been out here. Like, develop a conversation with them. Okay, see what it is that they need. And now I tell people, you don't have to give cash, you can get some gift cards. You know, go to Wendy's or Chick-fil-A or something like that, or CVS, or get like a $5 gift card, something like that. You know, you can give them that. That way, you avoid the whole, you know, people like, they're just going to use it on drugs and cigarettes and things like that. Okay, all right, if I give you $5, you might do the same thing. What's the difference? That's right. What's the difference between you and them? Right? Uh, but you can give them that. Or uh, I work with St. Joseph's and they create baggies. Yes. Okay. We used to. Yeah, we used to. So you, you know, so you put some toiletries, especially as it gets cold, some socks, hand warmers, you can put a gift card in there, um, you know, toothbrush and uh, small travel toothpaste, those things, you can give that to them as well. Those are ways that you can respond, you know, compassionately. Um, and then you can let them know, hey, there's these services available. Yeah. Okay? I, 
And at the end of the day, don't be the priest of the Levite. Yeah. Yes. Let's get off of our horses, our cars, or mm-hmm. our positions of, of privilege and get down with the person. Yeah. Use a little bit of our time, use a little bit of our resource, and help the person. And God will sort out all the other stuff. Our role is to act, not judge. Place the person in a position of, of uh, we don't do this, but sometimes passively presenting ourselves as better than them. You know? And so uh, the more we can do that and act passionately and recognize there's many people on the Jericho Road, because at some point all of us are going to be on it too. For whatever reason, we want somebody to come along and act and help us out. Bill, let me ask you: Are, are you working uh, uh, with some of the? You mentioned about the homeless, like the library. Yes. And uh, many of them are basically in other spots around yes. the city where they're just camping out. Um, and there may be conditions where that might dry up um, for them. Are you working with various organizations to? possibly uh, like a library. Yeah, so we, the best we can, um, so on the task force, I'm part of the city's homeless task force, so we meet once a month and we discuss those issues. And the director of the library, he had came right. two meetings ago and talked about that situation. And, right. okay. um, and they was kind of pressed at the moment to do something about it and their board chose not to do otherwise because they recognized that the homeless men there and women there, they were actually providing a benefit to the library, mm-hmm. making sure it was clean, yeah. no type of damage was happening to the library, anything like that. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we work with, you know, something like the library to make sure, hey, if they need those type of services, you know, we're here. You know, we, uh, we work very well with one another to share information and say, hey, you've got this, uh, you got a spot open, uh, things like that to get you know people where they need to be. And so um, again, uh, this can't this kind of work can be done like in isolation. It's got to be work that has different groups around the table uh, sharing information and uh, working towards people thriving. A slightly separate issue. Yeah. Um, I noticed you guys have the Coho Gardens and Free Market Stand. Yes, that's cool. What 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 is that? So, Carl Gardens started in 2015, Brian King. Uh, he passed away uh, two years ago now. Uh, he lived in Oakwood, and he came to me one day at the office, and he said, uh, Pastor, you using that green area over there? I said, no. And he said, okay. What do you think about a garden? I said, I think that's awesome. All right? And he left. And about a month later, uh, some uh, uh, parishioners from St. Joe's came over, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Lou and Miss Barbara, and they said, hey, you know, Brian? I said, yeah. He said, well, 
He said he wants to put a guard in there. He, he, he told us, he said it was okay. <laughs> I thought, yeah, okay. <laughs> and about a week later, they brought all the supplies. And some guys came down from the trailer park, and they built our first eight-bed raised garden. Um, and then from there, uh, we had one put at Brookside and one at South Ash. And um, now there's one at First Presbyterian Church. There's a huge one over there. And then when Brookside closed down, we moved that one from there over to Peace Lutheran Church over there. Um, and so that produce goes to support uh, the persons in that area. And then we have a partnership with Baptist Health, uh, where every summer, for the past two summers, uh, our produce and their produce, we hold a free market stand uh, on Saturdays and Wednesdays. And uh, on average, it's about... 5,000 pounds of produce wow. that are given. And so what's beautiful is the people from the park come, they set it all up, they work it, they take it back to the community for persons who can't get out of their trailer for whatever reason. Uh, it's, a, it's a complete, just community-driven effort. So it came full circle, because it wasn't an organizational idea, it was an idea from the community. Um, and the community is fully involved with it. And so that's just one of our things. I uh, beat the drum that persons in poverty, persons at whatever level, they have something that they can contribute to their situation. It is a demoralizing, depersonalizing, dehumanizing thing to say that poor people can't do anything. And I call it bullcrap. Yeah. They have great ideas. They know best how to address their situation. What they are lacking is the resources to do it. So if you're sitting at a table, they are bringing something to the table. You are bringing something. Just like in this situation, I'm bringing something to the table that you don't have an idea. You're bringing something to the table that I don't have, right? And we're going to do it together. Neither is, is better than the other. And so with a person like Miss Sheila, all right, she was like, Mr. Philip, can you speak for me at the city council? I was like, no. <laughs> You're going to speak. This is your situation. I'll stand there with you. If, they, if I want to say something other than that, fine. But this is your situation. The opportunity has been given. Speak for yourself. And there's nothing more beautiful. God glorifying. Arrhenius said that the glory of God is man fully alive. And so to see a man or woman fully alive, advocating for themselves, participating in their situation to bring about a solution to their situation, that's amazing. Like, that's amazing. And then you just sit back and be like, hey. And she was, Jerry, when we were sitting, she was reading through her script or whatever. Yeah, yeah you can tell. And she was reading, but when we met at my office earlier that day, she was like, da 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 yeah. profanity. Da 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 profanity. Oh, yeah. I was like, Sheila, you're gonna have to like bring it down a little bit. She's like, I know, I know, Pastor, I know, Pastor. You know, but when she got up there, you know, she she held herself. She just needed that extra bit of confidence of somebody standing with her. And I just don't want her to beat me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've dealt with Sheila before, yes. so I, yes. yeah. She, I she is, yes. She can, she can come at you. 
Oh, I was going to ask you though. Also, on the on the market itself, yes, sir. You know, we've got a food pantry here uh -huh. that we provide, food yes. and so on. But sometimes we run out. I, I'm not too sure where yes, we stand we on. Yeah, it, and so on. Can we direct them to possibly? You guys are you guys just looking for a certain group? Um, as far as the um, the food things goes. This has been Humanity Matters Podcast, discussing and reflecting on theology, philosophy, leadership, and nonprofits. For more information, visit our website, philipfletcher.org, or you can shoot us an email, leave us a comment, email us at humanitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. Like us on YouTube under Humanity Matters. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. If we remember to live in hope, we can do the impossible.